welcome to the latest This Is The Music Meets podcast. Today's guest has sold over six and a half million records as the frontman of Australian rock and roll band Jet, is part of the brilliant supergroup The Jaded Hearts Club, and has released two fantastic solo records, including the recently released record The Skipping Girl. I am, of course, joined by Nick Sester from Jet. Jet, uh, sorry, Nick, thanks very much for coming on today. It's much appreciated. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. It's uh, it's 11 o'clock. My daughter's in school and my wife's been out for the afternoon. So, all good. Happy days. So, um, so to kick things off, um, can you tell the listeners where in the world you, uh, you are recording this with me today? I'm in Milan, where I've been living for the last five years. Sure. So um, what, uh, what uh, new music or any music are you listening to at the moment? Well, I mean, I guess to be honest, music to me is quite seasonal, like much like food, you know? Yeah. Um, in the winter, you know, it's, it's, well, heading into winter now, I listen to a lot of classical music. I like listening to a lot of the old crooners as well. I know this is, seems very unexpected, <laughs> but um, I li- <laughs> I listen to a lot of stuff like Dean Martin and Bobby Darren and um, I don't know, that music always seems very autumnal to me. So I like listening to it this time of year. Yeah, well, obviously absolute legends of, um, of music. So, uh, you know, if you can't listen to a legend every now and again, when, when can you? Sure. So, um, <laughs> so you've obviously just released uh, your latest record, The Skipping Girl, um, which has received mm-hmm. fantastic reviews and support from your, from your fans. Um, so can you tell us where did you get the inspiration from for this record? Well, the whole album, the album, it's essentially it's a story. I mean, the album is a story in itself. And then I went on to write, um, expanding on that. I thought, um, I would write a children's book to accompany it, which is sort of already in the text, in the lyrics of the songs themselves. Um, and it's all about the central character of both the album and the story is a, is a neon sign which exists in Melbourne. It's been yeah. there since 1936, it's quite historic. Um, and it occurred to me one day that um, more than being just an, an, a neon sign, it, 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 it spoke to me one particular day when I thought, man, it's, it's, it, it's potentially a metaphor as well for, it's a little, it's a girl in a red dress, um, who is kind of stuck in this eternal loop. And I thought that's an in- that could be an interesting idea to explore one day. Fast forward to this pandemic and um, the whole world was kind of stuck in, a, in, a, in this loop, repetitive loop. I thought if there's, a, if there's a moment to explore this, it's probably now. So um, that's where the idea came from. And then the songs themselves um, are essentially episodes in the, in the life of this girl. So did the um, so did the idea for the book come first, or was it like the music, or was it sort of just sort of kind of you know sort of happened organically together? Pretty much organically together, as I said, like this the 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 music kicked off with one song in particular, which is called Forever, which is essentially the first song on the album. Yeah. Um, there's an introduction, but then the first song is Forever, and in that song is essentially the bones of of what became the children's book as well, about this girl who's um, 
on top of a factory, looking down on the city below her, um, and then crashes down and, and comes to life. So that's where it all began with that, that specific song. And then, yeah, it just sort of took shape. I mean, some of the songs were written quite long ago, like more than 10 years ago, and I sort of filed them away thinking, because um, they're quite different, obviously, than anything I, what I, what I'm known for. Um, but um, after 10, 10 or 15 years, I, I realized that I had a lot of stuff, like a lot of songs that all, all sort of seemed like they belonged together. And I was just looking for an interesting way to tie it all together, you know, because also, you know, I've been doing this for a long time now. And the idea of just write an album, record it, go on tour, write an album, record it, go on tour, just becoming a little mundane. I thought maybe there's a more interesting way to present an album mm -hmm. that's, that sort of enhances the storytelling of the communication that, that might be slightly more interesting than, than um, the way it's normally done. Sure. So um, obviously you've mentioned there some of the music that you have been uh, listening to at, like, mm -hmm. the, at, at the moment. Um, and obviously, as you've just said as well, it's quite a different album um, from what people have come to expect from you with obviously your, your Jet uh, albums um, and obviously uh, Sugar Rush as well. So was it was it then a conscious decision to sort of move away from from sort of what you're known as? And was there any any point during the writing or recording process where you thought, oh, hang on a minute, I'm not sure about this, I should you know, maybe change direction and, and stick to what I know type of thing? Well, um, honestly, I, I'm, aside from the fact that I was in Jet and I'm known for being a rock and roll singer or rock and roll, part of a rock and roll band, I've, I've always listened to an enormous range of music, like, you know, at home. I mean, my, my grandfather was a tenor, so I grew up listening to a lot of classical music, um, and, you know, I'm just a music fan in general and I listen to everything. Uh, so it's just nice to finally have a vehicle where I can, I can um, release some of this, this other side of me that's always been there, I guess. Um, yeah. Okay, so... Um... You know, but that, that being said, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm aware of how I'm perceived and I'm aware that this would would uh, is potentially not not really a, I, mean, I didn't see it as a risk to be honest i just thought <clears throat> i thought it was that made it even more exciting i guess to, to me to like to do something completely different um was exciting yeah definitely and i, I think as i said um earlier i think these obviously had some great reviews so i think from people that have heard it even i guess like music critics or um and, and plus plus the fans as well i think it's it has been very well received um personally speaking as well i think also to be honest like uh, well i i don't know but it I mean for me personally and i i presume i can only presume that if it's like this for me then surely there's every chance that it will be like this for other people but i do feel like it's very much in tune with with this with the this moment in history and not perhaps i mean it, there's it's not I wouldn't say that it's modern music, but on an emotional level, it's very much in tune with um, this experience that we've all just lived on an emotional level. Yeah, def definitely. I, I, I agree wholeheartedly with that. Um, so one of the songs on, on the album um, is called Cry Baby. Um, it's a mm -hmm. fantastic moment. Um, I understand it was written with your brother, Chris. So um, what yeah. I'd like to know is, is that the first song that you've written with Chris since Jet's third album? 
And if so, what was that process like? It, it's the first song that we've written together. Um, yeah, it is. Um, to be honest, yeah, that it, it, it is. It didn't occur to me until you said that, but yes, you're right. Um, it, <laughs> so it just to me what I remember because it's, it's been around for a while. And again, like a lot of these songs I've had, had for a while and I just sort of put them aside waiting for the, waiting for the right moment. Um, that was a song that, I, it, it happened very much like things happen in Jet Days. Like someone would, would come to the table with a song, um, like a demo, in, in, yeah. which could be in any, any various forms of completion. And Chris had written a song that I, I immediately, um, I really, like I immediately loved it. And it was a very rough demo. And I said, hey, if you wouldn't mind, do you, do you mind if I have a go at this? And I deconstructed it and then reconstructed it, which, is, which, wasn't, which was quite normal way of, for, of us working. Yeah. So I took his song, um, pulled it apart and then rebuilt it. Um, yeah, that, that, that happened like that, which again is, is quite common, common way how we work. But it's, if you heard his demo, you'd recognize it for sure. Um, I took, I kind of took the DNA, the chorus is the same. I twerked, um, I kind of worked on some of the lyrics slightly and, and then with the verses I rewrote. But yeah, it's, it's, um, it's true. It's, it's, it's the, one of the only songs, the, only, the first song that's been released that we've, that we worked on for a very, very long time. I mean, the last Jet stuff was, you know, shit, it was more than 10 years ago now, more than maybe 10, 15 years yeah. since the last album. So yeah. So I'm, I'm obviously as it's uh, land as it's en as it's ended up on the skip and go. I'm assuming that he's he's happy with with how the like the final the final version of of the of his demo. Maybe we'll, tell. We'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll say yes. <laughs> so um, one of the things that I found quite interesting on this record was that um, you made a decision to avoid all auto tuning. Um, to sort of make the record yeah. sort of quite raw, really, I guess. Um, yeah. was, was there a particular reason for, for adopting that approach? Um, and did you ever think about maybe sort of changing that at all? No, well, that was a very conscious decision because, um, I mean, as I said, it's, it is linked to a children's book. Um, and when I was working on the lyrics, I was aiming a lot of the subject matter arose from the fact that I'm a I'm a father for the first time myself. I have a little girl who's now three, three and a half years old. So a lot of the lyrics, I was very conscious of, um, the, you know, there's, there's stories that I, I had her, you know, I was thinking a lot about her at the time when I was writing them and, and being a father and all those things. So there's a lot of little, little messages in there for her, I guess. Um, and um, when I was recording and I thought, I mean, if I'm going to, trying to impart any wisdom onto my daughter then I can't pretend that life is perfect because it's not and I think that would be setting things up for a big fail later on in life so I thought well then the music needs to reflect that and it can't be perfect either because that's not an accurate representation of, of the world we live in yeah so I chose to keep it I keep I kept a lot of the errors in there and and um and, and the time you know some of the tempos which when I took the the recordings to Rome um because there's an orchestra that that's um, the, the the songs are heavily orchestrated, most of them. Um, you know, was met with some very 
surprised looks on people's faces because they're not used to you know there's no click track you know which yeah which made life for them quite <laughs> quite um it made for an interesting day in the studio with some classically trained you know very super professional musicians who were looking at me like who's this guy <laughs> <laughs> so um obviously you just mentioned there um the orchestra being used on across the album um and and obviously the, the string arrangements are amazing and, and they've obviously done a, a yeah, great job. They really are. Um, so what, what was the experience like that you sort of just touched on it there of, of, of working with, mm. with an orchestra? Um, I'd worked with orchestras a little bit in the past, but never to this extent. Um, so the writing, I mean, I, I have a really good friend of mine who's brilliant and I asked him if he would, um, if he would do the orchestrations for me. Some of them, some of the songs, like melody for me is super, super important. So there were some songs that already had, the, the lines were were um, were already kind of there. They just needed to be enhanced or augmented. Um, so that process was fun also because, and because he's my friend, it gave me the opportunity to work with him to a degree. You know, I'm not classically trained and I can't write or read music, but melody, I have a strong sense of melody. So it was nice to be able to work on that with someone who is classically trained and who, who does um, know how to do all the other side of things that I don't. Um, so that was a lot of fun. Then taking the, um, um, when it came time to record in the orchestra, the, the lockdown, the heavy lockdown here in Milan was just sort of coming to an end, which meant that we could go into a studio finally. So the natural choice being in Milan, we looked for studios in Milan, but they were all booked, I guess, because there was such a backlog of, of um, you know, artists waiting. Yeah. So we're like, oh man, this is really disappointing. What are we going to do? And he said, well, don't worry, we, we can. We, this is there's some great studios in Rome too. He said, there's also Ennio Morricone's studio with, with his orchestra. And I was like, okay. Um, <laughs> I thought he was kind of joking, but but that's that's a real thing, as it turns out. So we called them, and surprisingly, they were super available. So we we ended up going to Rome uh, two weeks later, which in itself was amazing because again, coming out of a very strict very hard lockdown here in Milan it felt like the world had gone from black and white to technicolor all of a sudden because I mean I'd been limited to my you know like a, a very small radius from my house here hadn't been able to even move to the other side of my own city let alone leaving leaving Milan and going you know, on a train to, to Rome um, where the, it's a little bit warmer there. The restaurants were open. I was in a studio with an orchestra. It was like, oh my God, this is, this is like, <laughs> unbelievable. Um, so it was great. And also, also because, I mean, the arrangements, we'd worked on them. We had a lot of time, obviously. So we worked on the arrangements a lot. So it going there was just um, pure fun because there wasn't really work. These guys are amazing. The musicians, the orchestra, obviously. So. I was just, you know, drinking wine and <laughs> eating eating pasta for two days while this all unfolded in front of me because we we sort of we'd done most of the work before getting there, so it was just it was just pure fun for two days, which is amazing. Yeah, it's uh, it certainly does sound um, amazing, and and you just sound there about being able to eat pasta and uh, and and drink wine as well, especially you know sounds 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 like a dream to be perfectly honest. It really um, was, man. It was unbelievable. I, I can't I can't I can't build it up enough. It was it was really again. It honestly felt like it was like oh my god, the world is just turned back to 
to Technicolor in colors even more vibrant than I'd remembered. It was amazing. Yeah, it's uh, it's amazing how much it's sort of changed now, and sort of I think maybe even perhaps maybe people uh, have, have maybe even taken things a little bit for granted, maybe with absolutely like COVID and, 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 and like and, and to now. Um, so, do you have um, a favorite song from Skip and Girl at all? One that either you're sort of um, like most proud of right, having written or how it sounds, how the final sound is or something? I particularly like a song called um, Don't Lean On Me because it's like the anti, the anti song, you know, it's like you're sort of more used to hearing lean on me, I'll be there to help you. But the truth is, and this is one thing that I wanted to explore in the, in the lyrics is, um, is it's going to happen, you know, sometimes I'm not going to be there. I'm not going to be you know, everyone's human, everyone makes mistakes. And, um, but I think that by speaking openly about that, you take, you take the fear, by speaking openly about something, you're able to take the fear out of it. And that was something that I was interested in, in exploring in that song. So the, I'm quite fond of the lyrics and the message or the meaning more than the message because the messaging, the message is quite, also quite, can be seen as being quite sad. Yeah. But um, I like the honesty of it. I like the honesty of it. Um, and, um, yeah, that's that's one of my favourites. Great, fantastic choice there. And uh, as I said, I've, I've loved um, listening to the album um, since it's been mm. released and, and well, prior to it coming out as well with the, with the review and everything. Um, so obviously Jet, um, as we mentioned in the intro, the band sold six and a half million albums worldwide. Um, so when you started out the band back in Melbourne, um, did you ever imagine in your wildest dreams that you'd achieve those sort of figures? Yep. Yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> to be fair, I'd, I'd mind <laughs> confidence straight away there. I love that. <laughs> no, no, we didn't. Um, no, we, I mean, it, it all happened so fast to the, the, when I look back on it, like we were, I mean, super young, man, like that album, get born I can see it there in the background there I mean I was 18 19 years old when I wrote most of those songs my parts anyway no we were and we'd, we'd said it, we only we were just wanting to get out of our city was the you know yeah I mean I know this might sound like a crazy comparison but I can't help it especially being here in Italy at the moment I'm looking at this band Maniskin at the moment and, and um not that we share anything in common with them musically or the way that they were born, but it's interesting for me following their success because a lot of it mirrors the, the giant leaps and the speed at which it's moving. I, I am, um, you know, I can see, I see a lot of my own story in that one. Yeah. So um, just on, on the debut album, um, Get Born, obviously released back in 2003, uh, you recorded it, I believe, at um, Sunset Sound Studios in LA with... Um, uh, Dave Sardi. Um, so what was the yeah. experience? Um, you obviously just said there about you wanted to get out of out of Melbourne. That was sort of the main sort of aim originally. So to sort of to get over to LA to record to record the debut album, what, what was the experience like and sort of uh, you know the mood in mood in the camp? Um, I mean again, we were just kids, we were like teenagers, you know. I think I would just turned 20, maybe. Um we were super excited. We'd never I mean, we'd all just been living in our family homes up until that point. Then all of a sudden we're on an airplane, we're in Los Angeles, we're recording an album. It was, um, it was amazing. It was a lot of fun, a lot of fun. And I think, you know, 
that when I, I haven't for a long time, by the way, but if I were to listen to the album now, I'm sure that, you know, I mean, I think part of its success was that you, that excitement was captured on this, in the songs. Like it's all there in the music. It's pure excitement and it's, and that's all part of it. So yeah, it was, a, it was a great time. It really was. So um, you obviously toured the album pretty much um, nonstop for two years, um, which included support slots with Rolling Stones, Oasis, uh, The Vines. Um, do you have sort of any memories um, from supporting those bands that, that you are able to share with us? Or <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, difficult, yeah. There's a, I mean, <laughs> a lot, a lot happened as you can imagine. Yeah. Um, probably the fun, the funnest tour was probably the one with Oasis, I guess. Like the Stones was amazing, but it was it was the first tour we'd done, so we were very, um, we were very green. But by the time we 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 went on the on tour with Oasis, we were we were um, a bit more wizened, and we we um and it was a good moment too because we were it was kind of like the peak of this of the of the success we we'd had with the first album. Um, and Oasis were in a great place as well. They um they'd just recorded an album with Dave Sardi as well, uh, and they were sort of touring in the States and having the success that had always kind of eluded them until that point. Um, and so it was, it was Oasis, us and Kasabian, these three bands. And we, we, um, yeah, it was, it was a long tour as well. It was really long. So it was great because we, you know, we all became pretty, pretty chummy. And by the time the tour ended, it was, um, you know, it was amazing, amazing fun. Yeah. I mean, what a, what a, what a great lineup. Um, uh, with with yourself and yeah. Kasabian being on on that tour, so um, over the last sort of couple of days, um, my other half, uh, we've been listening back, uh, and myself obviously, uh, we've been listening back um, to all three of the Jet albums, um, reminiscing mm -hmm. about the great tunes and, and memories that we had um, for, from each album. Um, but on Get Born, mm -hmm. is there a particular song um, for you that 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 stands out as like a favorite favorite track? Um, oh, I don't know. I'm trying to remember the track list. I guess I always enjoyed playing Get What You Need. It just because it has such a swagger. Like that song has probably the most, out of all the tunes that I can remember, that has, it's just loaded with swagger. So that was always fun, you know, like that was a really fun song. And we all, I remember that one being like, not all the songs everyone contributed, but that was one of the ones where maybe one of the, there's maybe one or two where everyone kind of contributed almost equally. That and that I think from memory was one of those. And everyone sings together too. So it was just a cool, it was a cool song to do because everyone, everyone chipped in to write it and everyone's there performing it together, not just playing, but singing too. Yeah. So that was, that was, that's probably that one. Yeah, nice. Okay, so um, with album two, Shine On, um, was the experience of recording the, well, sorry, with the experience of, the, of recording the debut album behind you, did you approach mm. some Shine On with the same mindset or no. I guess maybe being a little bit greener, I guess, so to speak, uh, not greener, but, you know, a little bit more experienced, was it able to approach it in a different yeah. way? Well, yeah, I remember like the first, because we it was the same team of people that we worked with on, on Shine On. And I remember 
I mean, we'd been, it's particularly because of the success that Get Born had, we, it had been just a nonstop tour for, I mean, at least a year. I mean, we went everywhere. We were playing so many shows. So by the time we got around to recording the second album, we were a much better band. And I remember everyone at some point saying, wow, you guys got really good after, you know, in the meantime, not that we weren't good in the beginning, but it was noticeable how much we, we developed as, um, as musicians. I remember that, but it was a very different mood. You know, we were, there was an enormous amount of pressure, obviously, up to repeat the success of the first one. Um, um, and we were pretty, you know, we were not green anymore. You know, we were, um, we, and, you know, unfortunately mine and my brother's father had passed away months before. So it was a very, it was a very strange period because there was a lot of, there was still excitement because things were going so well and things were moving in a really positive direction. There was this cloud of sadness, obviously, because of our father. Um, and there was an enormous pressure. So it was a very different mood, very, very different mood. And again, I think that's reflected in the music too. It's not, it's not, it doesn't have that naivety that existed. And I say naivety in a good way. Um, it's not that, it's not get born. It's a lot, you can hear it's a bit, a little bit heavier a little bit more brooding. Um, I still think there's some beautiful songs in there, though. Yeah, no, definitely. They sure are. And um, um, I think how you've just described it, I think, is, is, is a great summary, to be honest, of, 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 of the sound that was achieved on, mm. on that album. Um, so, I mean, uh, Shaka Rock, um, obviously the, mm. album, the band's third album, um, which I think is a, is a great album, really rocking in places mm. as well. Um, yeah, you obviously yeah. played at the um, the MCG and the SCG as well for some uh, for the Victorian bushfire crisis and the Queensland flood oh, yeah. relief. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, what was it like at playing um, such prestigious venues like those, um, and in particular, obviously the MCG, sort of being a being a homecoming gig as well? Um, I'm just trying to remember. I I think I remember that day because it was. I mean, obviously everyone was there for quite a serious reason. So it wasn't, it wasn't just like, it didn't have the same levity of, of other shows, but it was still a lot of fun, but everyone knew they were there for a pretty serious cause. Yeah. So we, I remember we kicked off the one in Melbourne with the first band on in the morning, in the not morning, but whenever it was, then we got on because every band played both so you right. you would finish the sydney one then you flew to the melbourne one all in the same day so that was um yeah sorry so i'm just trying to remember because it was such a long time ago now but um i can't even remember who who else played on there oh i think i got a feeling barry gibb played there oh wow as well anyway it was it was um i don't know i'm not really to be honest with you i'm not really um massive sports guy so i didn't I am, um, my memories, I have fonder memories of that, of being in the MCG or the SCG um, as a kid, like the few times where maybe my dad took me to watch a football game or something. Yeah. I think I, I'm more attached to those memories than, than playing at that benefit, to be completely honest. Yeah, sure. Okay. So um, obviously 2012, the band uh, disbanded. Um, looking back was... Was that an easy decision to make? No, of course not. No, it was really hard. And, um, you know, um, 
it was regrettable, but unfortunately, I mean, I can't speak for the others, but for me, it, I'd gotten to a point where I just knew I wasn't the, the best version of myself within that alchemy anymore. And, um, you know, and I'm, I mean, as a, as not just as a person, but more as a, as a, as a musician or as a songwriter, someone who's trying to, you know, explore my own potential and, um, and, um, you know, I know I also think, I think that, and I genuinely believe this now that I think some bands, there is an al a natural alchemy that exists, but it, it doesn't necessarily mean that that's going to last forever. And I think there's a lot of bands that perhaps stay together longer than they should, or they need to, you know, I don't think that it's such a bad thing that bands necessarily stop doing what they're doing because it's like, you know, it's like a, like a flower, you know, it blossoms and then it's over. And I think some bands, that's just the natural, that's, that's just the lifespan that that band has. Each band is different. Each, the alchemy within each band is different, obviously. So, but I do feel like there was the moment when we were, you know, our most powerful was um, a really special moment and it happened and it was amazing. Um, and then, and then that was it. And that's okay. You know? Yeah, yeah, sure. So um, certainly from, from the outside, um, obviously it was a bit of a shock when you announced that you were actually going to get back together. So it was about yeah, to for me too. Say nothing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, and obviously you went on tour um, with the legend that is, that is Bruce Springsteen. So I'm guessing yeah. it was a fairly straightforward decision to, to go to hit, to get back out on the road again. With, with, with Not really, to be honest, because there'd been a lot of, a lot of offers in the past before then. And, um, and again, um, you know, it's, it was always difficult because I know even now if we were to get back together, that's a massive vehicle that gives us a, gives me an enormous platform with a lot of visibility to reach a lot of people. So it's always there and it's, it's very tempting, you know, but again, um, for me, it's all about me being the best, me being at full capacity as, as myself, as an individual, as a person, as a songwriter and, um, and the temptations there. Yeah. And I guess, that particular offer with Bruce Springsteen happened at a time when the mood had, it's felt like we'd sort of turned a corner and everyone was in a really good place individually, but also as a group, there was a new sense of, um, I don't know, it just seemed like every, the mood was a lot lighter. And, you know, and then of course, with the temptation, it's always there. Like, well, what would the alchemy be like now? Like, would it be like it was before? So, you know, you tentatively put your toe back in the water and test it out. And very quickly it revealed itself to be as toxic as ever. <laughs> as ever. <laughs> so, so that was short lived. Yeah. Um, but you, you say that, um, you then yeah. followed that tour up sort of, fairly quickly um with the yeah. get born 15th anniversary shows um which obviously for the time being seems to be the end of the sort of the, the jet story is there any plan yeah. maybe to get back together for a no no no, no. like as you said in? like i mean how many you know testing testing the waters once is the smart move testing it twice is starting to get a little bit stupid doing it a third time now seems like like foolish, you know, like, I mean, it's pretty clear that, that, um, that, that moment's passed. I mean, I'll never say never, I guess, because it's, again, as I said before, it's very tempting. I know, I know 
that that could bring a lot of um it's a it's an enormous vehicle um mm -hmm. but i don't want to do anything unless unless it's going to be amazing you know that's the truth and um i don't want to just use it because because it would be easy because it would it would put put us all back in the spotlight or give bring us in a lot of money like they all seem very sh shallow superficial reasons to get back together it would have to be a massive culture shift you know and and, yeah. and to me it's not for lack of trying you know like and i'm i'm sort of tired of being the guy in the band going guys come on but you know um it's hard to be the one guy in the band saying no 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 all the time you know but um but you know it's not for lack of trying we have tried i have tried it's just better to leave it where it is just one of them things so um obviously as well you've you've you're in the um the jaded hearts club as well which we released um a brilliant sort of album of sort of it's like motown um sort of classics and, and some other legendary songs so was that sort of like a bit of a, a no-brainer to get involved with with the there's some there's some great musicians on there like matt bellamy and yeah Miles Kane and, and graham cox and just to name a few there yeah yeah, totally. I mean, I um I'd known Matt for a really long time. I'd known Matt the longest. Um, you know, he lived in Italy for a period as well. So we were kind of neighbors for um many, many years. At a time when both of our bands were on tour doing the same festival circuits in America. So I'd, you know, I'd see him on tour and then I'd go home and he'd be there too. Yeah. So we um we know each other for a really long time. Um so yeah, I mean I didn't, I mean, some of the guys I'd known, some of them I hadn't. I had never met Miles, Miles before. Um, but yeah, of course, I mean, there's some great, super talented guys in that, in that group. So of course, you know, any invitation, I was gonna, always going to say yes. Yeah. Definitely. And it's fun, you know, it's super fun. I mean, also just the fact that no one, none, none, no one involved particularly needs to do it. It's just, you know, it's, um, it's nice to go back to doing music for such pure, the same pure motives where we all began, you know, just yeah. for the pure fun of it. Yeah. Is, um, is very refreshing. And I said, it's, um, it's, it's a fantastic record. And I think you've, um, I think the, uh, the joy, um, from, from each of you certainly comes across in like the yeah. playing and, yeah, and, so and the delivery and, and, and stuff. So, um, you obviously mentioned earlier that, that you're living in Italy. Obviously, it's well known for its rich heritage and its culture and amazing food, as you've discussed, and, and beautiful people. Um, having said that, is there anything that you miss about living in Australia? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's not all those things you say are true, obviously, but um, it's certainly um, living in Australia would be much easier. I mean just for the language alone. I mean, I speak pretty good Italian these days, but it's still not my first language and never will be. Yeah. Um, bureaucracy here is world famous. <laughs> you know, it's not, nothing, nothing is easy. Nothing happens that quick, but that's also part of the fun, I guess, you know, like, but I mean, I'm going back to Australia for the first time in a few weeks, actually, for the first time in almost three years, which I'm very looking forward to. So, I don't know, maybe if I, we have this conversation again when I get back, I'll, uh, I'll let you know. I'll let you well, know I'll, what it is that I realise I've missed. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll hold you to that. Um, right. so, so just going back um, to the Skipping Girl, um, are there any plans to sort of get out on the road and, and, and tour it at all? Or 
Oh man, I would love to so much. I really, really feel very, um, I mean, I'm super proud of the, the whole project, first of all, uh, and I'm very attached to the music because it's very, I don't know, it's a, it, the whole mood of the album is a place that I, um, is very comfortable for me. It's very, you know, it's very melancholic, which, um, which is a, is a mood that I slip into quite easily and I'm very comfortable there. Um, so I would love to, man, I really would, but it's just still, I mean, to do it is a big undertaking because there's a lot of moving parts and it's still uncertain times with um, venues and, and the whole mechanics of that is just, it's still kind of mind boggling to do something like this with all these people involved the costs are high, you know, I mean, I don't know what it's like in the UK now, but most of Europe, you can't play full capacity venues. So it's, it's just like, it's just unfortunately not, not realistic, which is um, really frustrating. But uh, yeah. hopefully in the, I don't know, maybe in the future, there'll be another opportunity. I, I really hope so. But for now, unfortunately, no. Well, fingers, think, fingers crossed uh, that, that, that you are able to do that in the, uh, in, in yeah. the near future. Um, so here at, here at This Is The Music, we're sort of uh, trying to help the sort of the, the next uh, band of sort of musicians and, and bands, et cetera, coming up. Um, so have you got any advice um, at all for, for any aspiring musicians that are out there listening? Um, I don't know. Someone asked me this recently, a young guitar player, and I... And, um, I really do think that anyone who's quick to give you advice should not be listened to. You know? <laughs> I, think, I really think that because no one really knows what they're talking about. Um, I think it's more important to just find your own path, you know, and 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 find find um, yeah. You just got to really be strong as you know. You got to be as strong as you possibly can, and and, and listen to. And when I say strength, like have the strength to listen to your own, to um, follow your own path and trust your instincts. I'd say that that more than anything. And don't listen to anyone else. Don't listen to what other people have to say. That's um, that sounds like pretty pretty good advice to me. And um, on that note, uh, it's unfortunately that is the end uh, of the uh -huh. podcast. Um, thank you so so much for coming on today. No um, and as in a fan, pleasure. Jet and uh, and your solo work. It's been an absolute pleasure uh, chatting to you today. Um, the Skipping Girl is out now on vinyl, uh, complete with the accompanying children's book, um, and can be purchased from Nick's website. The link which you can find in his social media platforms. Um, alternatively, you can download or stream the album on all of the usual platforms. Uh, Nick, thank you once again, and I wish you continued success with with the album. Thanks a lot, and in everything else in general. Appreciate it a lot, man. Thank you very much. Have a good day. And you. Thank you.